guys. So we have a special treat. We have Casey Harris sharing, and I just can't wait. How many of y'all are excited to hear her? How many of y'all have heard Casey speak before? Okay, awesome. There's definitely people, but it's going to be first-time treat for a lot of us. Um, if you know Casey, you love her. Casey leads a ministry called One here in town that uh, probably a lot of you guys have received ministry from that just brings healing to people, body, soul, and spirit. And um, it's amazing. But really, the reason Casey's up here has nothing to do with the ministry she leads, although we think that's amazing. It's because she's a friend of the house. And Casey's a good friend to every single one of us on the leadership team. Casey has such a pure heart. And uh, really, at the end of the day, like, we trust her with this place, and we honor her, and we honor what she carries. She is a small package with a powerful <laughs> punch. So, Casey, go ahead and come up, and I'm going to pray for you. Yeah, y'all welcome, Casey. Yeah, so, Lord, we just thank you for Casey. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for the gift that's on her life, God. We thank you that even as, like, Zach was sharing God, that she's a daughter, that she knows just how to flow in your spirit, God, and she knows how to flow and stay in connection with you. And so we just bless her tonight to have a ton of fun and just to be in that place of joy and fellowship with you. And we just bless every one of us just to receive what you want to speak to us tonight. In your name, amen. Thank you. Hi, guys. I am so honored to get to share um, one because really what Anna said. Um, these, this, is, this is our family, and you are our family, and it feels like home. Anna said that earlier today. This just feels like home. Well, you are at your home, and I'm like, yeah, this feels like home, and um, because Joey and Kelly and Amory and Jeff are not here, I'm going to take a minute to just tell you how much I love them and, and a few reasons why. Um, you know, Home, your church home is not the place you go to worship on Sunday night. So when I say home, I don't actually mean that. Your church home is who God has connected you to through the spirit of God that brings mutual growth and life. So you're going to see and meet and worship with a lot of those people on Sunday night. But your church home is not the place you show up and then leave. That's just not really a thing in the kingdom of God. The thing is the people. The thing is the family. So I first met uh, Joey Festi when I was 12. I walked into my dad's uh, stockbroker office, and there was this young guy, and I was really used to older guys there, like my, what I thought was old, my dad's age. And I, I just remember him. You know how you have those people in your life, you just remember the first time you met them, and then they keep showing up in your life. That has been Joey Festy for me. Um, Anne-Marie Bailey, I babysat her kids when I was like 13. And Jeff, I thought was so cool because he had a Led Zeppelin CD in his collection, and I, you know, of course, I'm like looking through their albums. And I came from a little bit of a more conservative uh, background where they didn't have Led Zeppelin CDs in their, in their things. So Jeff was like in with me, even though not like I was really into Led Zeppelin. I just thought it was cool to like that. So, um, and then Kelly is one of the first people I remember meeting when God brought us back to San Antonio. 
which was about 10 years ago now, I actually went to the organization that I'm a big part of now, one, it was called Christ Healing Center at the time. It was like the first time I went and Anne-Marie Bailey was leading worship and Kelly Festy got up and shared what she felt like God was saying. And I was like, I like her. I, I, I totally like her. And so I'm just so thankful. Um, one of the reasons that absolutely this is home for us is because when I have gone through things where I needed somebody to speak to me about my identity, when the stuff has hit the fan between Joel and I, um, there's a few people we go to, and, and they're here. And so I just want to say thank you, and I'm really thankful, too, for um, the leadership stewarding something that I'm going to speak about tonight. And I feel like it's this big thing that God's doing, and all of us are kind of trying to figure out how to move in it. And the word for it, or the word I'm going to put on it tonight, is revival, but I really want to speak to what it looks like in the culture. So some people call that reformation that leads to a renaissance. I love that because I'm an artist. When things get beautiful, I think God's all over it. But I want to use the word revival because I fully believe that God wants to do a revival for us in a massive way in the way that you live in the same way that it's, so what I'm trying to say in the same way that you can come in here, and if you're a regular here, you know that it's pretty easy to hear from God here. It's pretty easy to experience worship. It's pretty easy to encounter God. The ease that we're experiencing there is actually the ease he wants you to live out of, and that's the revival I want to talk about. And it's also the one that I want to speak out tonight and give you an invitation to step into it, and it's also going to mean a stepping out of some things. But the step is really, really important, and no one can make the step for you. A um, hundred amazing messages can't make the step for you. A hundred amazing worship encounters, as amazing as that can be, cannot actually make this particular step from experiencing God to a life of revival. You are the only one that can make the step. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. I'm hearing in the back of my head the recent messages here that I've heard. Shane talking about the process. Joey talking about you're not going to see the results for the work you didn't do. Um, Chuck speaking on hope last week. I feel like they're all in this. So I pray that whatever God is wanting to say and do, that he just puts it all together in a pretty bow for you. As I started to pray, the words that were going through my head were really um, these three, or it's four maybe. Um, hope in his mercy. So for me, hope has been a really nebulous word. Mercy's been a really nebulous word. Joy's been a really nebulous word. And grace has been a better word, but a nebulous word. So meaning like we all want to live a life of joy. Yes, I do. I want to live from joy. But what is, what is joy? What does it look like? How do I, how do I step into it? Um, mercy for me, I don't know if anybody else had this, but growing up, mercy for me was literally defined as it was defined beside grace, but grace was defined as unmerited favor, so favor that you didn't work for. And mercy was defined as not experiencing the punishment you deserve. So my idea about grace was like, it, that's why it felt better to me, like, oh, just favor, and I don't have to work for it. But then you're also like, well, I, and I didn't 
I didn't, there's nothing good. I didn't, didn't earn anything here. And then mercy kind of had this sense of like, God could lay down the hammer, but he didn't in his goodness. So I want to look at the Hebrew and I want to use Habakkuk to talk about what does it look like for us to practically hope in his mercy. And the reason I'm sharing this is because I can't get away from it. Um, I bought this book. I went to Santa Fe with some friends. And I don't like this journal at all. To me, it's a little cheesy, and it has one of those verses that I grew up hearing from Proverbs 31. As beautiful as this is, I just don't love it. Uh, She's clothed with strength and dignity. But I ran out of my journal, and I had somebody pray for me, and they were like, talking about a brand new journal and they were using this verse and then I had somebody else pray for me and they used this verse and then I had someone else pray for me and then I walked into the dang store and there was this journal with this verse on it. So I have a cheesy journal and in it, it repeats verses at the bottom. So you're journaling along and you're like, oh yeah, that, that, somehow that verse is speaking to me in the same way that God is. Um, this one repeats itself over and over again. Psalm 147, 11. The Lord taketh pleasure, it's also King James. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. Psalm 33, 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. That one's in here too. They like it. And there's like one other one that uses the phrase hope in his mercy. So I looked up mercy and I also felt like this was the verse I wanted to ground us in. It is Habakkuk. It's three verse two. And it says, oh Lord, I've heard the report of you and your work. Oh Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So mercy, when you actually go and break this down, and I'm, I'm sorry to go all Hebrew on us, but at the same time, we have to understand how limited the English often is because it doesn't tell the story of, of the language. So when you look at the Hebrew word, often there's like a whole picture that goes with it. So before we look at the Hebrew word of mercy, I want to ask you to close your eyes, and I'm going to ask Jesus to bring to your mind a picture of the most safe place for you. And whatever comes to your mind, just don't, uh, don't judge it. So go ahead and be like, oh, I don't know why that came to my mind, but okay, I'll go there. It may be a place like a home. It may be a place like a beach. It may be a place that's surprising to you, but I want you to go ahead and pay attention to what's there. And I'm going to ask Jesus to take you to the heart of why it feels safe for you. Jesus, why did you bring up that picture? And what feels so safe? Okay. Pause. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Now I'm going to ask Jesus, you don't have to close your eyes this time, but I want him to bring to mind for you a time that you felt judged or an area of your life that you feel judgment in. 
you may even be judging yourself for it. I can never, I should, I this, whatever comes across as a judgment. I want you to kind of go there in your mind for a second. Okay, you got that? So you got a safe place, and then you got a little area of judgment. Okay. When you look at the word mercy, this is the actual word. The actual word is rakam. And it means the seat of where the, all the like life-giving emotions come from. So the picture, if you were like a Hebrew or a Jew and you heard the word rakam, what you would immediately think of is like the most compassionate, strongest place from which emotion and loving, compassionate emotion can come from. And the picture for you would be like a womb. So it's like the seat from which life flows. The womb, so it, when, when the word mercy comes up, it's not this idea of you've been judged, but oh, good thing the hammer's not gonna fall on you. It's, it's actually a picture of the place where life is nurtured to the, to the greatest degree, like the way that a mom loves a child that's unborn. We don't even know who this child is, but this child is loved. And we're talking about the racham of God. So it's like unending, furious, unstoppable grace, compassion, mercy. Compassion's the best word, but it's, it's like not strong enough in English to say what happens when a racham is, is coming towards you. It's literally like um, Hosea, where the the, the husband's love for his wife is so strong that his friends come and say to him, your wife is an adulterer, your wife is a prostitute, your wife is cheating on you. And his eyes are so full of love that it, he can't, he can't, he's blinded by it. Um, and that we, we know that happens in modern day. You know, you're, what have you been blinded by and that you actually only see the good? That's like, just a little picture of the heart of God towards us, which is full of this thing called mercy. It's like a womb. The word for hope, the actual first definition is the picture is a cord. So to hope in his mercy is like me receiving from this cord connected to the womb of God. You know, I... I just said this the other day with the kids. Um, I always ask Lee, the baby, you know, who made you? And he'll say, God. And, you know, he knows how to say that because I always tell him, but he's two. And Jaden said to me, you know, you made him. And I was like, no, I know, he, I know that I birthed you all, but if there's one thing I know better than anything, it's that I did not make you. I mean, I, I couldn't do it. It happened inside of me, but I did not make you. This life force that is you, that is now out in the world, was only made by the loving hand of God. So I want to talk actually about growth and revival and the power of an understanding or like really it's a like thing that we enter into, which is revival is a constant in our daily life of growth. So just like a baby in a womb is growing. Just like my other kids, they're out of the womb, but they are growing. Just like 
I mean, the, basically what I wanted to say was said earlier by the worship team. Um, just like your identity is already set, and yet you're searching for it, it just is. You just are growing. You just are a child of God. You just are the object of this compassionate mercy, this womb-like place where God is pouring out all of his most loving and best towards you. That just is your state. So then when, when we hear things like, I, I desire mercy instead of judgment, I want to think about it in the context of growth. So what you actually think is, in my mind, the only thing that can actually hinder your growth. So if I think that I'm stuck and I think that I'm not growing and I think that I'm actually under judgment even though I know God's extended mercy to me and he said to hope in his mercy and I keep coming to services and hoping that God's going to just zap all my problems away. I'm not saying that you guys do that, but we've all done that. I'm missing out on this huge piece of who I am and who you are. You are the object of the womb of God, and he wants to move in, like, boundless mercy towards you, grace towards you, compassion towards you. And that is actually the thing that God keeps telling us, and it keeps showing up in my journal. He's telling you to hope in that, that you are in the womb of God. And I'm not even pre preaching this because of John MacArthur's statements. <laughs> no, no connection, but so many images of God are so feminine. If we, are, if we won't even let ourselves be loved by the strength of a mother and that that can't be a reflection of God, we're going to miss a lot of it. And I will say, too, I think that's actually a key. So many of us have not thought it was okay to even view God as one, one who would creatively grow us from his womb. You know, that's a powerful thing to say, wow, God is mothering me. Wow, God wants to, to do that thing to me that all children were made to do. The babies, they're made to just soak up love. To just be adored. And, and the life model has told us that maturity for those first three years doesn't look like them learning to not throw a fit. It doesn't look like them having their act together. It looks like for th that first three years of life, all maturity looks like for a baby is to receive love. And then for the next seven years, four to 12, eight years, all they're learning to do, oh, and the first one, not just receive love, but to have people in their life that return them to joy. They're hungry, they cry, they get to be returned to joy. They're throwing a fit, they're mad, they're having all these emotions, they get to be returned to joy. And then for the next eight whole years, they get to practice returning themselves to joy inside a loving community that can help them because it's not easy. Eight whole years and what I want to say is, like, have grace for where you are 
and that you're actually probably right in the heart of the womb of God where he really actually is doing a great work in you and it may look like him helping you over and over again return to joy from that emotion that you're stuck in. But it's a process and you can hope not in your ability to grow. You can hope not in the perfection of the community around you or the perfection of your leaders. You can hope in this God who will never stop being towards you mercy. You can hope in his mercy. And his mercy, let me actually read this to you, what the word for mercy says. Cherishing the fetus, the seed of the emotions of the mind, tender affection, compassion. It's actually translated damsel at one point. Tender love that comes from the bowels. Um, in Exodus 33, 19, it's where Moses is getting the Ten Commandments, and he's hearing from God, and he's going up on the mountain, hearing from him. And you know that place where he says, I want to see your glory? And he says, I'll let my glory pass by you. I want to tell you that this word is in there, the rakam word, like this from the womb, mothering, never let you go, provision, that thing. That word is used twice in this, in this scripture. Let me read it really fast. Okay, Exodus 33, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I'm gracious and show mercy on whom I show mercy. So if you look at the Hebrew, the last half of that literally says, rakam, no, sorry, chanan, chanan, rakam, rakam. So chanan, chanan, rakam, rakam. Chanan is the word for I will be gracious to give someone anything graciously, be inclined towards and favor, favorably inclined. And then rakam is that word of coming from this place of the womb so strongly. And so what he basically says is my goodness is here. And it doesn't say, like, I'm going to choose you. I'll be gracious to who I want to be gracious to. It's, it's more like emphatic. It's literally like he's saying who he is is grace, grace. Mercy, mercy, like period. And it's all encompassing. It's not, oh, I might choose you, I might choose you. It's grace, grace, mercy, mercy. Okay, this leads me to the word revival. The word revival comes from the same word as chanan, which is gracious, and it's kaya. It literally means to live, have life, remain alive, sustain life, live prosperously, live forever, be quickened, be alive, be restored to life or health. To revive, be quickened from sickness, from discouragement, from faintness, from death. To preserve, revive, restore to life, to cause to grow, to restore, revive, preserve, and it keeps repeating, restore, revive, restore to life. So I want to zero in on the fact that God, the word for revival literally means to cause to grow. And the, the best picture I can think of for something that's being caused to grow really is this place of the, the womb of God. So 
Womb is also a picture for, fam- uh, for home. Home is a place for family. And the kingdom of heaven, no doubt, like I said at the beginning, kingdom of heaven doesn't come through church services. Kingdom of heaven comes through family. Who God's connected you to, who God's called to walk beside you, which is not everyone, who God's given you like a kindred spirit with, who God, I mean, and ultimately it's all of us. We are the family of God. We just are. We are children of God. We are one. We are all fully connected to God and each other. We are in this place of the womb. We do have access to his grace and his mercy. But I think where it breaks down for us is that we don't realize that we're becoming, like, or I said it wrong. We don't realize that the way to become it is to actually believe that we are it. So I want you to go back to what the Lord's showing you in the picture screen of your mind. You already went to a place that was safe. You already had something come up for you that felt like judgment. Now I'm going to ask him to bring to mind a picture that represents home and family. For some of you, that may be a really sweet space. For some of you, not. So if what came to your mind is not, just hold for a quick second. If it's a sweet space, go ahead and look around. Thank God for what he's showing you. Explore, notice the colors, the people. Just take a few minutes to just be there. Okay, if what came up for you is not your ideal picture of home, or if it feels lacking, I want you to go ahead and just tell Jesus that it feels lacking. And I want you to tell him what's disappointing about it, who you're disappointed in, where the disconnect is. If you could say anything to Jesus about home that you want to say but you don't feel like you can say, I want you to say it right now to Jesus. And now I just want you to look around for Jesus and with Jesus take a step outside of that place that has, feels like lack and disappointment. And I want you to go with him because he's going to take you to a place that is home from his heart. Home from the deepest part of who he is. Whatever you sense and feel and see, I want you to pay attention and look around. Look at the colors. Look at who's there. Just notice. Notice what you feel. Jesus, if there's anything specific you want to highlight to all of us about that home where your family resides, will you just highlight it right now? Okay, I'm going to ask Jesus to take you from that home and drive you down the road just a little bit. 
And I'm going to ask him to show you a signpost. So whatever he brings to your mind after you've left that home with him, pay attention to what it is. And I'm going to ask Jesus right now, on that signpost, to give you a picture of what it looks like in your everyday life for you to hope in his mercy. So literally to be corded to that womb of full love and provision, protection, that womb that will never see who you aren't, can only see who you are because it's love sick, love blind for you. So Jesus, what does it look like at that signpost or that marker in the road for us to hope in your mercy daily? Okay, I want you to get back in the car or however you're traveling with Jesus. We're going to go a little further down the road. There's another crossroads signpost. I don't know what it is for you, but there's another place, a touch point. And I'm going to ask Jesus to show you one more thing there. Jesus, you say that you delight in us whether we delight in ourselves or not. So if you're not one that's, that's very easy on yourself, that maybe you move in a lot of judgment towards yourself, it's hard to receive compliments, hard to let yourself off the hook. For a minute, just say, I'm willing to see myself the way you do. And what I'm going to ask Jesus to do at this next stopping point is to show you his joy that he has to be with you on this journey. So Jesus, what does your joy look like? And what does your joy look like every day? Okay, we're actually going to go one more place. I'm going to ask Jesus to take you back with him to when he made you. When you were conceived, when he was forming you in the womb. Jesus, what dreams and desires did you put hardwired into our identity? Okay, you can come back to me now. Okay, whatever you got, you may want to jot it down. And you may want to make an actual little map. Because God's smart, and he loves to speak in pictures, but there's a reason, because our minds can actually hold on to it. And when you actually make a little journey with the Lord, you're literally creating a really easy way for your brain to flow. 
I'm going to wrap it up, but I want to read to you from one other little spot. I think I did. Okay, this is from Jeremiah 6, verse 16, and it says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. So I'm not going to go into this, but I'm 100% convinced that every single human being is born into a world of supreme insecurity. It, it looks like all kinds of different things, but the heart of it is lack. I'm not enough. There's not enough. She's not enough. These people are not enough. God's not enough. But it's, it, 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 it's, it, it's hallmarked by lack. But I want to ask you right now, right now, do you have everything that you need? Right now. And if you do, just stir up inside of yourself appreciation for that, like right now. I don't know about 10 minutes from now, but I know that right now I have everything I need. And then if I'm nervous about 10 minutes from now, I can actually hope in this God who wants to birth prosperity, abundance, life, and growth inside of me. Okay, so we're born into a world of supreme insecurity in who we are as humans, but we actually, from the very beginning, we're children of God. So we've been living, and this is what Adam and Eve did. They had it all, but they pursued the thing that they already had. So when we want to live a life of real revival that shows up in your world, if you're looking for it to exist outside of you and what you already have access to, you're already moving from lack. If you think that your prophetic gift is to be able to see everything that's lacking, no, that's your human gift. The prophetic shows you what's real. It doesn't show you what's coming, although it may come at a different time. It shows you what's real. And so my prayer for us tonight is that right now, in this moment, you can feel presently connected, and you may need to rely on that cord that's connected you to the, just the most brilliant life source of all, but right now that you can feel present to your provision, present to how protected you are, like you're not outside the womb. You're not alone. You're not out there trying to fend for yourself and figure it all out and grow up alone. You actually have all you need. And I also have a feeling that the people that God's put on your path, whether you were 12 or 22 or 32 or you're 60 and there's new people on your path that God actually wants to provide abundantly to you through them. So that's family, that's revival, and I want to encourage you that you actually are a revival. 
That's actually what it is to be born again. Like literally, revival is to be re-enlivened. So you are, as the body of Christ, revival in the earth. And so you, resting in the womb of provision right now, is actually the only thing that will bring revival to the earth. The biggest worship service in the world isn't going to bring revival to the earth. Your prayers don't bring revival to the earth. I know that sounds a little weird. I lead a prayer ministry. I believe in prayer. But some people are so living in lack and praying constantly that they, they think that the incense is actually the prayer. You are the incense. Let incense arise. Let your whole being arise into who you are and that he is growing you. Okay, last thing. I, wanted, I want to offer prayer, and the thing I want to offer prayer for is if you feel like, and I think God gave me a picture for this through my daughter while she was sitting here, but we'll just see how this lands. If you feel like you are getting in your own way by moving from lack about who you are, that's what I want to pray for. Because it's not that you're lacking. It's just that you're lacking a, a view of yourself that's godly. So... The picture that I got, and Claire, I'm not sure, really thought this was God talking to her, so I'll give you that caveat. But I, I feel like often if I ask kids, they, they say what comes out of their mouth right away, and then they're like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And you're like, oh, gosh, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to go to a different kind of place here. What time is it? 6.50. Okay, we're going to be out in five minutes, unless you want prayer. The picture she gave me was an arm with cuts on it. And, she, and, I mean, she wasn't, like, connected to the pain of that. She was like, ah, and then was all over the place. And I felt like that's exactly what we do. Like, we already have an arm, and it heals itself. We're amazing. We've already been given this incredible life. And either we're so focused on the thing that's cutting us rather than the thing that's healing us from the inside, from that mercy of God, or we actually cut ourselves. And then we're like so upset that we keep bleeding. But we're actually the ones injuring ourselves. And that's, we injure ourselves. And I think the thing I want to say, and this is something God's been saying to me lately, and it's helped me a lot. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait of judging yourself. Don't take the bait of discouragement. Don't take the bait of taking offense to somebody. Don't take the bait because you're just cutting yourself. What you can do is go to the Lord, obviously, and tell him you you have some wounds. But let him show you what he sees and who you are because you're actually a miracle that's always in the process of healing. Like literally our atoms, they're falling off and our body's making new ones. We just can't see it. So what I want to tell you is much more encouraging than this. It's that you are growing. It's that you are maybe even thriving and you're not enjoying it. The Lord said that to me this year. He said, this is a joy season, Casey. Enjoy it. And I had to, like, tell myself that because I actually can find more joy sometimes in pain because I go to the Lord And sometimes I have told myself I'm not allowed to enjoy good things. Judgment, lack has told me that. And the Lord was literally like, no, 
enjoy this. And, and I'm the one that had to make the choice to go, okay, I'm going to hope in your mercy. I'm not going to take the bait. Okay, so if you need help and just want the Lord to continue to, maybe there's an area where you're like, yeah, I've taken the bait. I want you to get prayer up here. And our prayer people, go ahead and come on up. If you, um, and I'll just, if, you, if you're asking God to move you out of lack for your life in the same way that you can encounter God in a service, that's kind of like on my heart, if that makes sense. I want you to stand because for me, God's showing us in a service what he can actually do for your life of growth. Does that make sense? Like we experienced him in a service where we're like, oh, I'm really moved and he showed me this and I can see this and somebody prayed over me in power. But he actually wants to encounter your life like that, but you have to be willing to step out of lack and self-judgment. Okay, so if you want to step out of lack and self-judgment, go ahead and stand and I'll pray for you. And then our prayer team, come on up to the front, please. And this prayer is not powerful because I'm praying for you. This prayer is powerful because you let him show you what is real and true. This prayer is not, and I said this earlier, but hope was such a non-powerful word for me for so long because it feels so ungrounded. Like, oh, I hope. God saves me. Like, oh, I hope I can get out of this situation. It's not that. While you're hoping, I want you to hope and like literally plug in with the cord to his womb or become aware maybe that you are plugged in, okay? So the power of this prayer is not in me praying it. The power of this prayer is in you letting him change the way that you see yourself because he's right, you're wrong. Okay, here we go. Jesus, I'm so glad that in your rightness, the thing you're right about is actually that you love far more than we can comprehend, that you're moving beyond what we can even imagine. You are reviving. You're the God of revival. You're the God of life. You revive our life. So right now for each person who has at all heard that they have less than or that they lack something or that they have missed out on what you're doing in in their life right now will you show them what you see and help them step out of a false idea about who they are and who you are we just speak revival that comes from the belly of who God is, let it become real to you right now that you are in the womb of God. You lack nothing. This isn't a drug addict giving birth to you. This is the God of the universe. Like you're not lacking any nutrients. You're not lacking anything that you need. He's not lacking. So we're not hoping in in you. We're not hoping in your parents. We're not hoping in your community even. We're hoping in his mercy. There's one more word that I want to say over you as, as we close. And that is that the word work. And the things that God has done, we started in Habakkuk about, God, I see the things that you've done, and it makes me so in awe. 
The word literally means his works, his deeds, the things that he's made, that's you, and the acquisition of treasure. So what he's done in you is, is treasure, and he's, he's now acquiring it. So just give him permission to acquire the treasure that is rightfully his, which is you. May the incense that is our life arise, wake from the dead, come to life, be who you are. You were made to live from connection. You are not disconnected and you are not less than. Thank you, God, for all you're doing. Have your way in our lives. Thank you for the signs, the crossroads, the path, the journey, the connections that take us home. We are your home in the earth. And we want to enjoy it.